Hello, everyone, and welcome to our ninth episode of this podcast. I'm Alan, the co-founder of Science Humanitarian, and today I'm joined by our fellow Vice President Sophia and our club members Jeffrey and Sean. We are a student-led international nonprofit based in New York with a focus on embracing diversity, accessibility, and inclusion through science. And we are sponsored by State of the Pod from Cornell University. For those of you who are just joining us today, make sure to check out some of our previous episodes on CRISPR, global warming, and more. How many of you have heard about gene therapy? In September of 1990, Dr. French Anderson and a few of his research colleagues used the first ever approved gene therapy procedure at the National Institute of Health. They did this procedure on a four-year-old girl who was infected with a hereditary disease, and to their surprise, it cured the disease. Since then, French Anderson, MD, was coined as the father of gene therapy. Gene therapy is a clinical medical method used by doctors to treat a specific disease or disorder by altering the human genetic problem. Despite gene therapy solely available under clinical research, there is promising evidence to support that gene therapy will treat several diseases like AIDS, heart disease, diabetes, etc. Alan, could you outline the general procedure clinics used to apply gene therapy? Sure, Sophia. It begins with introducing a new gene into the cell to replace the abnormal gene, which will help fight against the disease. Many doctors perform this by injecting a vector that carries the healthy gene into the patient. In simpler terms, a doctor will insert a copy of the impaired gene, but in a healthy state, through a vehicle termed a genetically engineered vector. Jeffrey, could you explain the different types of vectors, please? Sure, Alan. So a really common gene therapy product involves the use of plasmid DNA, which are circular DNA molecules. Plasmid DNA can genetically be engineered to carry different therapeutic genes into human cells. In addition, since viruses naturally possess the ability to transfer genetic material into cells, certain gene therapy products are made using viral vectors. These modified viruses can be employed as vectors to deliver therapeutic genes into human cells. Once these viruses have been engineered to reduce their capacity to spread infectious diseases, Viral vectors are commonly used because of their capacity to recognize certain cells and then transfer their genetic material into that cell's genetic sequence. Similarly, bacterial viruses are able to be used as vectors to deliver therapeutic genes into human tissues once they are modified to reduce the spread of infectious bacteria. If you recall, vectors are used as a transportation vehicle to inject the healthy gene into the patient. That raises the question then of what cells are injected with this vector. Alan will continue this discussion. So one type of cell that may be injected with the vector is stem cells because they have the capacity to self-renew themselves. This provides a major advantage because it reduces or maybe even completely eliminates the need for repeated injections of vectors. Hemopoietic stem cells are considered to be the ideal target for gene transfer. Among the rationale discussed above, another reason for its ideal status is because of its high potential for a long life, otherwise known as longevity. Our discussion on gene therapy would be incomplete if we do not discuss one of the most dominant forms of gene therapy. Gene editing, which has become a hot topic for discussion in the scientific community in recent years, 
gene editing aims to remove undesirable genes or fix mutated genes. The most popular form of gene editing technology is CRISPR-Cas9, which has significantly advanced gene therapy. CRISPR allows for scientists to target specific genes with remarkable precision, potentially reducing off-target effects. This technology has opened up many new possibilities within the field of research and therapeutic development. Taking gene therapy a step closer to becoming a practical and accessible treatment option for everyone. For more information on CRISPR, check out our seventh episode. If you have seen our episode on CRISPR already, you will know that there are many ethical concerns surrounding that technology. Similarly, Gene therapy raises numerous ethical questions. Some of the most common of these questions include, is there a person, if there even should be a person, that determines which traits are normal and which are categorized as either a disorder or a disability? Following that line of thought, will this cause society to become less accepting of people who are different from them? Would people be allowed to use gene therapy to alter basic human characteristics, including athletic ability, intelligence, and height in any advantageous way. Along with the numerous ethical concerns surrounding gene therapy, there are also a lot of risks associated with its uses. As Jeffrey mentioned before, one of the vectors used in gene therapy are viral vectors, which is achieved by replacing the disease-causing genes and viruses with new genes that prevent the disease. This alone produces a lot of risks for using gene therapy. One potential risk is inflammation or even worse, organ failure. This is a product of immune cells attacking the virus as it is viewed as an intruder to the body. A second risk associated with gene therapy is that healthy cells may also be targeted in addition to the cells containing the mutation that is being targeted. This is due to the virus's ability to infect multiple types of cells. This can produce other illnesses and diseases, such as cancer. This is because if the DNA from the viral vector is inserted into the wrong spot in the cell's genetic sequence, then that may result in the formation of a tumor. This can happen in both healthy cells that are wrongfully targeted and or the target cells of a particular technique in gene therapy. A third risk with gene therapy is that it may result in a viral infection. This can occur because once the virus is introduced into the body, there is a risk that it will regain its ability to infect other cells with diseases. However, researchers have been studying mechanisms to develop techniques that will reduce the risk of gene therapy. As gene therapy is still relatively new, It is only applicable under clinical research due to unpredictable danger. The United States Food and Drug Administration, or also known as the FDA, is closely regulating gene therapy products and procedures to ensure safety for all patients under clinical use. To use gene therapy, you would actually be required to gain permission from the FDA. Another institution that closely regulates the guideline for the use of gene therapy is the National Institute of Health. The National Institute of Health has sent guidelines to corporations and clinics who wish to use gene therapy that they must be registered under the NIH Office of Biotechnology Activities under NIH funds. The direct process of approving the use of gene therapy in clinics requires three steps. Step one, you must determine if the treatment is safe and be acknowledged for the side effects. 
The second step is to check if the treatment is actually working. And lastly, the third step is to compare the results of this treatment to the results of other treatments so that the FDA can review how efficient this treatment is. In addition, the FDA monitors if the treatment produces any long-term side effects. However, considering the limited successful clinical trials of gene therapy, the FDA only approves an extremely small number of gene therapy products in the United States. As I mentioned earlier, gene therapy shows promise in treating a variety of diseases, including HIV. Alan, could you explain research progress made in this area? Well, Alan, gene therapy can also treat many other diseases outside of HIV, specifically inherited diseases caused by genetic mutations. One example would be sickle cell anemia, a genetic disorder characterized by the presence of abnormal hemoglobin that causes red blood cells to take on a crescent or sickle shape. This could lead to blockage of blood vessels or even organ damage. However, with gene therapy, treatment can be plausible with a bone marrow transplant which injects healthy stem cells into the body. As previously mentioned, stem cells are ideal for gene transfer because they are not specialized cells yet, so they could develop into healthy cells to replace the damaged ones. This procedure has been successfully done by St. Jude physicians previously, and the patient is still alive 40 years later. Another disease that gene therapy could treat is hemophilia. Hemophilia is a genetic bleeding disorder that impairs the blood's ability to clot properly, Caused by mutations in the gene that encode for proteins that are essential for blood clotting, individuals who suffer from hemophilia can experience prolonged bleeding after injuries or surgeries. Hemgenics is the first and only FDA-approved gene therapy for hemophilia B, a type of hemophilia. Through an IV injection, patients will receive a viral vector that carries the gene to produce the essential protein needed to clot blood. As a result, Patients will now be able to produce the correct protein, allowing for blood to clot properly and reduce instances where they suffer from prolonged bleeding. As for the safety and effectiveness of hemgenics, 
A study showed that patients who received the treatment saw a 54% decrease in annualized bleeding rate compared to those who did not receive the treatment. Among others, these are just two instances of how gene therapy can treat current diseases that affect millions around the world today. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. We look forward to seeing you in the next one.